Understanding Childhood Cancer. I'm Dr. Jeff, and this is the second episode of this podcast series on lumbar punctures, lumbar punctures, spinal taps. Now, before I go on, I want to say two things. Firstly, that this episode is really relevant only to the treatment of patients with leukemia and lymphoma and occasionally medulloblastoma, but not often. And in particular with lymphoma, I mean non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, so not Hodgkin's lymphoma. So leukemia, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and very occasionally medulloblastoma, and not really very relevant to other diseases. The second thing to say is that you really need to listen to the first episode on lumbar punctures, because I'm going to assume you've already heard all of that. But in that first episode on lumbar punctures, you heard me talk about how a lumbar puncture was basically a needle in the back, low down in the back, and the needle goes between the back bones, through this gap between the bones, and then into the spinal fluid, the same fluid that circulates through the brain and around the brain and all around the spinal cord. That's the cerebrospinal fluid. And I described how when we do a lumbar puncture, we might be doing it for different reasons. Sometimes we're doing it to get some fluid to check for infection, nothing to do with cancer. But mostly in oncology, we're doing it to take a sample of the fluid to check for leukemia cells or cancer cells. And in certain situations, we're doing a lumbar puncture to inject a drug into the spinal fluid. And that's what I'm talking about today, this process of injecting a drug into the spinal fluid. And by the way, the technical term for that is an intrathecal injection. Intrathecal. T-H-E-C-A-L. Intrathecal injection. But before I go on, I want to explain why on earth we want to do this, right? Of all the places in the body that we have to inject drugs, why are we injecting drugs into the spinal fluid, right? We're not injecting them into your big toe and we're not injecting them into your kidney, we're not injecting them here and we're not injecting them there, but we are injecting them into the spinal fluid. So let me explain why. The problem is that some drugs just can't get into the brain and spinal cord properly. And that's because the brain has this special process that's designed to keep things out. So it's called the blood-brain barrier. The blood-brain barrier is this special setup in the blood vessels of the brain that are really set up to be very strict about what things are allowed into the brain. So if you give certain drugs into a vein somewhere in the back of your hand, well, those drugs will be fine for getting into the bloodstream and then into the liver and into the kidneys and the lungs and the muscles and everywhere else in your body. But the blood-brain barrier will keep certain drugs out of getting into the brain. And I suppose this whole blood-brain barrier developed over the millions of years to keep poisonous things out of the brain, you know, to really protect the brain from things. Well, it works against us when we're trying to treat leukemia and lymphoma because it stops our drugs from getting into the brain. And so what happened in around the 1960s was... 
doctors finally found some chemotherapy drugs that would work against leukaemia. And so they could treat children with leukaemia with these drugs and the leukaemia would go into remission, no sign of the leukaemia, everything going good. And then what they'd find is that the leukaemia would grow back in the spinal fluid and brain. So it wouldn't grow back elsewhere in the body. It would just grow back in the spinal fluid and brain. And this was the clue that the brain needed some special treatment, that the drugs weren't effective in treating the brain and spinal fluid properly. So the next thing that they worked out was that you could give radiation treatment to the brain. And so if they gave the chemotherapy to get the patient into remission and then they gave radiation treatment to the brain, then that got around this problem of the leukaemia growing back in the brain and spinal fluid. And so that was a big step forward. The problem was that it's a bit undesirable to be giving radiotherapy to the whole brain, uh, particularly in the younger children. So the next thing that happened was people worked out that if you injected the chemotherapy drugs into the spinal fluid, this could also prevent that relapse of leukemia in the brain and spinal fluid. And so that's where we are now, where we mostly rely on giving these intrathecal injections into the spinal fluid to prevent leukemia in the central nervous system. Now, in higher risk patients or ones that already have disease in the spinal fluid, it might be that we have to use a combination, that we still have to use the radiotherapy and these intrathecal chemotherapy injections. But a typical protocol of treatment now for acute lymphoblastic leukemia will have a series of these injections being given during the course of the treatment. And it might be 10 or 11, or it might be a few more or a few less. It all depends a bit on the nature of the leukemia and whether there was any leukemia found in the spinal fluid at the original diagnosis, questions like that. And likewise, a typical protocol for myeloid leukemia or for non-Hodgkin's lymphoma will also have a series of these injections being given through the course of the chemotherapy protocol. Now, there's three main drugs that are used uh, for these intrathecal chemotherapy injections. By far, the main one is a drug called methotrexate. Methotrexate, that's the one that's used far more often than the others. But the other two are hydrocortisone. Hydrocortisone, that's just one of those steroid medicines that are used in all sorts of places. It's a bit like prednisone and dexamethasone but it has some activity in killing lymphoma and leukemia cells. And the third drug is a drug called cytosine arabinicide, sometimes called ARA-C. So they're the three main drugs that are used. Methotrexate, by far the most common, hydrocortisone and ARA-C or cytosine. So next I want to talk about the actual procedure of injecting these drugs. And really it's only an additional step really beyond the lumbar puncture. So I described the lumbar puncture before. The one thing I didn't mention, by the way, in that episode was that when we're doing this lumbar puncture thing, everything has to be very sterile. You know, we have to uh, put antiseptic all over the skin and keep it all very clean and sterile and wear gloves and so on, because the last thing we want is for a germ to get from the skin and into the spinal fluid. That'd be a really bad thing. So I forgot to mention that. But anyway... Basically, giving an intrathecal chemotherapy injection involves doing the lumbar puncture, 
and then getting the drug. And the drug is normally prepared and it's in a syringe and it's all very sterile. And the needle has a screw cap at the end of it. And it's basically a case of attaching the syringe to that needle and slowly pushing the drug in over several seconds. So we will have put the needle in, taken a sample of the spinal fluid, allowed some fluid out to make room for the volume of the drug to go in, and then just screw the syringe on and slowly inject it into the spinal fluid. And then that's it. Pull the needle out, put a Band-Aid on the skin, and that's an intrathecal chemotherapy injection. So it's not a whole lot more complicated than just doing a lumbar puncture. Now, of course, you need to have good protocols in place. You've got to check that the right drug is being given to the right person at the right time. Everything has to be checked, and there's normally procedures in place to make sure that everything is being done right. But the actual procedure itself isn't that complicated. Next thing to talk about is the complications and side effects of this procedure. And again, you need to hear about these from the actual doctors caring for the child. But in brief, there are the side effects of the lumbar puncture itself, and I talked about them before, but some children get a sore back from it. Some children get headaches in the days after the lumbar puncture, and often those are headaches related to a reduction in pressure. So it's a low-pressure headache, and so the headache's worse when they stand up and feels better when they lie down. And you can get a leak of the spinal fluid sometimes. Not common, but it can occur. But what about the actual side effects from the putting of the drug into the spinal fluid? I'd say most of the time we don't see a great problem in the days after these injections are given. A typical children's cancer unit has dozens of patients having intrathecal chemotherapy injections every week. And by and large, we don't see a lot of problems after the lumbar punctures. But there are some things that can go wrong. Some children feel a bit sick in the hours and days after the lumbar puncture. Some children can get a fever particularly if it's that cytosine drug that's given. We know that's a drug that can cause fever, so some children will get a fever after that. And then there are side effects that are more severe, but I've got to say, they're very rare. So for all our dozens and dozens of lumbar punctures that we're giving, we don't often see these things happen. But it is possible to have a seizure, you know, like an epileptic seizure, following the intrathecal chemotherapy injection. And that probably wouldn't be at the time of the procedure, but it may occur, you know, several days later. And I've seen this happen, but it's not common by any means. Even rarer, and really very, very rare, is to see any damage to the spinal cord occurring after an intrathecal chemotherapy injection. And you know, in, I don't know, 25 years being in this business and being around hundreds and hundreds of lumbar punctures, I think I can think of, you know, just a small number of patients who've ever had spinal cord damage occur from the intrathecal chemotherapy injection. I really think I could count them on one hand, basically. Now, spinal cord damage, that's a pretty bad thing to happen, of course. I don't mean to trivialize it. Uh, you know, the spinal cord carries messages uh, from the brain down to the legs, of course. So spinal cord damage can be a devastating thing to happen, but it really is very, very rare indeed. 
you should hear about all of this from the medical team, of course, that's looking after a particular child. And, of course, all of these risks have to be seen in context. Remember that we are trying to cure leukaemia and we know that we won't be successful in curing leukaemia or lymphoma if we don't treat the central nervous system somehow. And intrathecal chemotherapy injections are the best way we have for doing this. Anyway, that's it for intrathecal chemotherapy. So remember, it involves doing a lumbar puncture or a spinal tap, doing all of that in very sterile fashion, and then getting the drug, and the drug will have been checked and made sure it's the right drug and the right dose for the right patient at the right time, and then basically screwing the syringe onto that needle, slowly injecting the drug, and then pulling out the needle, and then that's it. And there's normally a series of these injections in the treatment of leukaemia and non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Dozens of these are being performed each week in a big children's oncology unit, and most of the time it's an uneventful thing, it's a bit of a fuss or getting it all organised and oftentimes using sedation or even general anaesthetics. It's a, a lot of organisation, etc. But by and large, it all goes pretty smoothly. Anyway, thanks for tuning in today to Understanding Childhood Cancer with Dr. Jeff. And I'll leave it there and talk to you next time. Bye now. <laughs>